Thank you, Father. Mm. Um, you know, we, we ask and pray for eyes to see and ears to hear. And uh, uh, yesterday, it started Friday, uh, like a flock of birds in my eye. I had both my eyes had lenses put in for cataracts back in April. And yesterday or Friday, the, I would look and it looked like, you know how the thousands of birds in the fall, it would look like that in the distance. And I'm like, this is not good. And my left eye has been a problematic eye since I was a kid and got hit by a car. So it's always been the weaker eye. And so yesterday I'm running the loader to load a plane at the airport. And I was like, Lord, and I'm praying about it. I said, Lord, if this gets worse, I'm going to, you know, contact my surgeon and go in today. And I got up to the top side of the plane and bigger black blobs started forming in my sight. Then I would look, and it would look like a bird was flying out of the corner of my eye. I said, okay, let's call the surgeon. Let, you know, supervisors know I'm, I'm leaving. And I get up to uh, CEI up here yesterday afternoon at 3.30, and the guy on call identifies a tear in my retina and calls a laser surgeon who then identifies a second tear. And by 6.30, I'm going home after having laser surgery. Okay. And, you know, it's non-invasive unless you, you know, bright light is pretty invasive. And they just, they numb your eye and they move it. Uh, it hurt uh, to get the light in where it needs to go, the, the laser. But as I'm praying here this morning, and I've been praising God because it was, it was like a whirlwind. It just happened like that. And it was done like that. And I still have the floaties. He said, I'll have the floaties. Praise God. But as I'm up here praying and I'm praising, and then Linda brought a word to me about eyes to see in the kingdom. And God has impressed on me for, well, really since uh, I went with the youth group up to IHOP, I don't know, six, seven years ago now. But he sees, okay? It's about sight. It's about looking, I heard uh, Shane just a little while ago, I was being shown, okay, all of these, uh, what are these, adjectives, verbs, uh, about seeing and light and being shown. And then as I'm up here praying, he's impressed on me the last few weeks, the guys at work, and they're, I call them death styles, because they're not lifestyles, because they don't lead to life. But that's part of me. That's part of my nature because I'm critical. And I'm just, make it plain, okay? And I'm looking and it's like, you guys are just dying. And I'm also verbal, so they know I say that to them. And he's been impressing on me as I just, oh God, you know, you know, righteous Lot was vexed by the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes, you know what, Jeff? He said, I so love these guys and their lives, and in particular their souls, their precious souls, that I gave my one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then He comes back in my face, and so what type of attitude should you have towards this world that I so loved that I gave my one and only begotten son to die for. And so, you know, that causes me to blubber. I don't know what it'd do to you. And to confess, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, 
The heart of man is wicked and utterly deceitful. Who can know it? And I don't want to lie to myself anymore. Okay? That without Christ, I can do nothing. And without my Father's heart, a Father's heart, for God, who is take God out and put in our Father who art in heaven, so love this world. And I love my son. I love my daughter. And it breaks my heart when they're missing or when they're hurting or when they're lacking all that is available for them. Well, what does God feel like? Because I don't come close to having his heart. You guys don't mind me being real, do you? You're real all the time. Okay. So look, see, God knows, God sees, and he hasn't wiped us out since the flood. Amen. Because I'm overdue. All right? And that being said, but by the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of my testimony, and that I love not my life to death, I hope, because I haven't been held to that point yet, that I too shall be an overcomer. So we look to God who said, ask me and I will show you things that you've never seen and never known. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, um, I don't want to, anything to say anything except what the Holy Spirit is burning on me. I have nothing to say unless it's from him. So he told me to come up here and start praying during worship. And um, as I was praying, it was, uh, whoo, Jesus, hallelujah. There is a Holy Spirit flood that's about to overtake this place and our lives and the world and the church. And we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We have to be equipped. He said, people, get ready. People, get ready. Arise, arise, arise and shine. Arise and shine. Arise up out of the mundane things of the earth. Arise up out of the petty things, the, the worldly things, the soulish things. The church is soulish, and we won't be able to handle his glory. There's a higher call. There's a higher call, and it's now. It's quickening. It's time. The Lord is coming like a tsunami on the earth. He's releasing his glory. He's releasing his mantle. He's He's releasing his assignments right now, and we can't, we can't miss it. So get your heart prepared. Get your soul lined up with heaven. Get up out of the mud. As C.S. Lewis said, get up out of the mud and get kingdom-minded to release the tsunami of the glory of God. And it's not just the world. It's, it's for this church. He's doing it now for this church. So get ready. Arise and come into your creation. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. That's who you you are that's what you do it's now receive it in Jesus name oh God he's here like a fire he's here like a fire receive it amen 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 okay now what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a minute or so or two minutes of nobody talking so that we can let what was spoken over us by both these guys and let it sink in.
This is why we come to the Lord's house. One thing I like about Jeff and Laurie is they're the same way outside the church that they are in the church. She sees you in Kroger, she'll preach to you. That's a good thing. Amen. Everybody in here have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. It's very important that you do because He loves you. We don't want to scare anybody into the kingdom because then they stay scared. Our God's not a God that's going to beat you over the head. He's a God that loves you. And He wants the best for you and He wants you to have a relationship with Him. He wants you to be part of His family, which is a big family. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. For those of you that weren't aware, uh, Pastor Mike Murray uh, passed away on Friday, I believe it was. And he pastored at uh, Love and Faith. And how many of you ever sat underneath his ministry? Okay, he passed away on uh, Friday. And they're having a funeral um, visitation service from 4 to 7 at Solid Rock down the road here. And uh, the service will be at 7. Okay, so those of you that uh, he's had uh, an impact on your life, go by and see him. And uh, no, Friday, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday from 4 to 7 is visitation, and at 7 they're having a service down here at Solid Rock. So. Let me just uh, put that out so everybody's aware of it and you know what's going on. Amen? Amen. He preached here many years ago in this church. And uh, so, good man of God. Amen? Amen. Um, wow. I feel like the presence of the Holy Spirit's in the place. Amen. It's good to see Kyle today. Good to, see, good to see John and Carlene back there. Hello, guys. How you doing? Amen. I'm glad you're here. And it's good to see Christian over there. Uh-oh. He said my name's been called. Somebody told me you had a birthday today, so you need to come up here. If you don't, we're going to send the guys back there after you, and they're mean. Come on up here. And where's Isaiah? Is Isaiah still in here? Come here, Isaiah. He's ready, buddy. He's ready. Come on. Come on up here. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's taller. Amen. Happy birthday. How old are you now? 16. How old? 16. Is he driving yet? He's driving? You mean you got your own car? No? Okay. We'll take care of whoever car you're driving, okay? Isaiah, are you driving yet? No? Okay. You're four. Well, what? You don't have to go anywhere. You, hey, do you have a job yet or anything? You do have a job. What is your job? I think your job is being cute, probably, isn't it? Yeah. Happy birthday. 
Well, stay right here because we're going to have everybody sing to you, okay? Is that all right with you? You ready? Are you want to start us off? Go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Christian and Isaiah. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Okay. Well, good job, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Isaiah. Happy birthday. Wow. Whoa, look out. Well, he enjoyed that, didn't he? You know, it's things like that that kids will remember their whole life. It doesn't seem real important at the time you're doing it, but they'll remember one day when they get older. So keep that in mind. That's why we do that every Sunday if we have birthdays, because a lot of the things that happen to you in your church life stick with you for a long time. And so he'll remember that, and so will Christian. So um, Wednesday night we have a Bible study. We're studying the book of Ephesians, and it's been wonderful. And you all are invited to come. And uh, Friday night prayer from 6 to 8. Uh, on September 8th, Gary Klein will be here with us. He'll be speaking about Israel, him and Sabrina. And then on the 18th, on a Wednesday night, Andrew Murray will be here from uh, England. And he'll be speaking. And I want to have a good crowd for him, if you guys would. It's Wednesday night. We'll be having that service in here, okay? So... That's about everything. We got a lot of people out. Lynn's on powwow, and Dan and Karen are taking a couple of weeks vacation, and God bless them. And everybody that serves in the pantry, we thank you for all your hard work and everything. And we got some gaps to fill in. Darlene's got a list there. If anybody would like to sign up and help for a week or so, we you can see Darlene after the service. Okay, you got something you need to say or what? Yeah, real quick. Here we go. Well, be quick. <laughs> Next month, we are uh, at the end of the month. He forgot to announce that we are going to Mexico. So there will be a little gap there because Dan and Karen's going and me and Lonnie's going. And Chris Wisman actually is getting ready to go to Germany. And she works back there as well. So to be honest, we need your help back here in the soup kitchen and food pantry. So we're not asking you to sign up, you know, that this is a long-term thing. We're going to divide it down into weeks now. So if you could come any week, I've got some weeks listed here, the Wednesdays in September, it's from 5 to 7. If you can come and help us out, give us, it's two hours. And what better place to start missions? What? What can well, that'd be great, too, because, yeah, yeah. When, let me get with Dan and Karen on that, because we do pick everything up on Tuesday. But this is a great opportunity for missions, because people tell me all the time they can't go on the mission field. This over here is a mission field, and this is an outreach that our church does to reach the lost and all those, you know. We all have problems and everything that's going on, and right over here, you can get in there, and you can pray for people, and you, can, and you do that by cooking. You can cook. You can do dishes. You can give out bread. You can serve in the uh, food pantry here. 
But we need your help. This is your church, and we would like you all to sign up. It's just two hours, and you, I want you all to pray about it and see if you could come. But this is a good place that everybody can start for the mission field. And another thing is, when Laurie got up, I can't help it, I have to say it, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you know, we are, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. And I know that some of you in here have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's separate than the infilling of the Holy Spirit that we get when we are saved. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is separate. So, you know, I'm, when he gets done preaching, you know, if anybody needs prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because that's what's going to empower us in these last days as we take it out into the highways and byways. This is where we come in to get equipped, right here. We get equipped to go out and, and to face this darkness because we're the light, we're the salt. And so we need the Holy Spirit living in us because that's where we, he gives us our assignment in that. So if any of you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just come up after the service and we will be glad because it's a free gift. You don't have to do anything for it. It's free. He already did it for us. So, you know, and you do that by imparting and laying on a pan. So when you read the New Testaments, whenever they sent anybody out, they would anoint them and pray for them and the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And sometimes it even happens through baptism. When you're baptized and you come up out of the water. So however God wants to do it, we're going to take it. She means it too. She means it. Amen. Well, how about that? You guys have got three sermons already. And you're about to get a fourth one. Amen. Oh, here comes another one. All right, now. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you, the Presbyterians and Episcopalians are turning in their grave today. Um. I had two things. Today I had a vision of Jesus, and he had um, a smooth stone, and he was taking his hand and, and rubbing it, and he said, I'm removing all the, uh, ooh, I'm removing all the, the, the dents and cracks, and I'm smoothing everything out. I'm smoothing everything out. I'm smoothing everything out. Ooh, and also... <laughs> Oh, I said, that's good. Anyway. <laughs> also, when Lori was speaking, God reminded me of the vision I had sitting there after I had my knee surgery, and God laid me out in the spirit right there, and I had the vision of the doors opening up and water flooding, flooding this church. God as soon as she said to saw me, I was like, oh my gosh, that was a vision I had. And God says, I'm going to bring my glory to this church. I'm going to bring my glory to this church. Hmm. 
not only to this church, it's not only for the church, it's for the world. And God says, I'm, you're gonna, your light is going to shine brightly. Your light is going to shine brightly. The Lord says, I have chosen you. I have chosen you, and I have placed you here for my glory. It's for my glory. My glory, says the Lord. Well, uh, guess what I'm preaching on today? If, every, if everything hasn't brought us to this point, the Lord told me to preach uh, on why we come to the Lord's house. <laughs> I'm not kidding either. Why we're here even. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing right now. You got nothing. <laughs> Why we're in the Lord's house. What, you got something too? Praise God. I'm just going to piggyback on what Alenia said. She talked about God making smooth stones. David went to the brook and he chose five smooth stones and he hit the giant right between the eyes. God's going to raise you up, make you smooth. You're going to fly through the air and you're going to hit the giant right between the eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guess what? Everybody's in agreement. That's when good things happen is when everybody comes into agreement. All right. Psalm 122. New, Liv or New American Standard, whoever's back there today. I'm sure it's one of the Moore girls. New American Standard, Psalm 122. Why will you go to the Lord's house? Amen. Well, maybe you need to go back to Psalm 121 so, so I can, I don't want yeah, go back to chapter, uh, Psalm 121. All right, this is David. This is a song of ascension because once a year they got to go up to Jerusalem. Once a year all of Israel would come and they would stand before the Lord. They'd had the, uh, all the ceremonies and, and David was trying to teach the people the importance of assembling, assembling in the name of the Lord because David was a man after God's own heart. So if we want to be after God's own heart, we need to take on some of the characteristics that David had. And so in Psalm 121, he says, I'll lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? Verse 2 says, my help comes from the Lord. He made heaven 
and earth. And we have to affirm these things as we go through them because he did make heaven and earth. And everything that was created was created by him. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were all present at creation. When he said, let there be light, there became light because the word of the Lord is preeminent over all the universe, all the chaos, everything that goes on, the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord shall last forever. I would rather put my faith in the one that made heaven and earth than a man that manufactured something here in the earth that impresses me. I'm impressed by technology. I'm absolutely amazed at what we've done while I've been alive. The technology advances. But you know what? We need to have eternity placed in a higher position than, than the technology things. It's amazing what we can do, and God allows it for our benefit. But at the same time, we need to realize that the day is going to come that there's something more important than what we see or what we can feel or what we taste, and that's the kingdom of heaven. How many of you got your ticket punched today to go to the kingdom of heaven? Hallelujah. David went through some tough times. How many of you know that David's life wasn't pretty? But he never took his eyes off of what God wanted out of his life. That's why God loved David <laughs> like he loves all of us because David, everything he went through, he said, renew a right spirit. Put a right spirit back in me. He knew he had fallen. He knew he had failed. But the important thing to him was the Holy Spirit and his loyalty toward God. He never turned his back on God. Did he sin? Yes, he sinned. But he knew where to go for forgiveness, and that was to the throne of God. He will not allow your foot to slip, verse 3. We're going to go on. He who keeps you will not slumber. Hallelujah. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. Amen? Amen. If you committed your soul to him, he will keep your soul. Paul said, I am persuaded that he who started this in me will finish the work. Don't be talked into thinking that God's not going to make you a finished product because if you put yourself in his hands, he will finish the work that he's begun in you. These are benefits of being in the Lord's house. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Now, Psalm 122 says this. David says this. This is so good. He said, I was glad. I was glad. And what we've seen for these testimonies today was a glorification of the Lord and what he's doing in people's lives and what he wants to do. So we live in an age today where people aren't too hep on the house of the Lord. I mean... David said, I was glad. I was overjoyed when they said, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Because he knew what gets done in the house of the Lord. David, listen, here's the key to this. David, as like a pastor, like a shepherd, like most people do, you keep on encouraging people to come to God's house. You encourage them. You encourage them. Listen, every church has problems. Every marriage has problems. There's problems in the world, but there's something above that, and that's the will of the Lord for our life. 
And David had encouraged people and encouraged people and encouraged people. And these Psalms of Ascent means go up to Jerusalem. There's an ascension that takes place. When we come into the Lord's house, there's an ascension of our spirit that takes place. If we submit ourselves to the praise and worship and sing in the songs like Jeff said, sing and look, sing and look over the problem, sing and look over the problem. Who are we looking at? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So David had been trying to encourage people. But here's the key to this whole. He said, I was glad when they said, when they said to David, let's go up. Let's go to the house of the Lord. It's every preacher's job, every, every minister's job to encourage people. But when the people themselves say, we're going up to the house of the Lord because we know what takes place there. We know that God speaks revelation to us. And David said, that makes me glad. How many of you are glad when someone encourages you to go to the house of God? Some of you husbands, some of you wives can speak to each other and say, I'm going up to the house of the Lord today, and I'm not going to miss what God has for me. Let's read down a little bit more. It says, our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. We're in the gates of the Lord right now. We're in the sanctuary. And he said, uh, within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem that is built as a city, that is compact together. In other words, God's house, going up to Jerusalem, going to the place of the Lord. There's a compacting that takes place because it puts everything in perspective. Our problems look real big sometimes, and then we come to the house of the Lord. He just kind of, how many of you got a trash compactor in your house? Anybody? Nobody? Put that thing in there and it pushes it all down. How many of you ever filled a garbage can to and had to climb up in the thing and push it down. Anybody? That's more of what I'm talking about. What, one of the benefits of coming into the Lord's house is things get compacted. Our problems get compacted because we're sharing in the fellowship of God. And we get, well, I'll go on to that in a minute. It's a city that's put together by God to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. Well, I'm part of that tribe. And it's an ordinance for, for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. That's one reason we go to the Lord's house, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. What else? For their thrones were set for judgment. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I'm going to tell you today, as has already been said, God loves you today. He means you no ill. He wants everyone to be saved and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He prospers. Look what it says. May the, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May, the, may they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls. How many of you are looking for peace today in the world that we live in? May peace be in your walls. This is a place of peace. It's not always that way. Sometimes churches get off track. Sometimes I get off track. Sometimes people get off track. But the preeminent thing is the peace of God will always come back in if people are hungry for him to move on their behalf. What else does it say? And prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your Good. One of the reasons we come in the Lord's house is because 
once we realize that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that makes us good. And the enemy always wants to tell us that we're bad, that we have no value. That's what the world tells us today. You have no value. You can't figure this out. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. But the Lord says, you come into my sanctuary and I'll show you my goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. First, well, there's a bunch of reasons, but I got three of them written down here. Another reason we come to the Lord's house is for fellowship. That's why we place an importance around here in greeting each other. The Lord spoke to me one time. He speaks to you too, doesn't he? Okay. Some people don't believe that the Lord speaks nowadays. I believe that he speaks. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. I'm feeling it up here. Somebody got in. I got crazy legs going on up here. Crazy legs. What do they call it? What these kids call it? Sophie, what do they call that thing that they do? The no, it's, well, what do they? I don't know. There's this thing that kids Anybody know how to do that in here better than me? Sophie, you know how to do it? Show us, how, show us, man. That's how, Sophie don't want happy feet. Another time. Okay, next week. We come to the Lord's house for fellowship. Because the Lord told me one time, and I've shared this many times, some of you, when we have greeting time and hugging time, that's the only hug you get all week. That's why it's important. Where does our goodness come from? It comes from the Lord. Anything that we have that's good comes from Him, the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. He's always good, and He always means good toward us. Even when we're going through something we don't understand, he means it for our good. The devil meant it for ill, but God turns it into something good. Hallelujah. Go to 1 John chapter 1. This is why we come to the Lord's house. First John chapter one, verse five. Here's another reason why we come to the Lord's house. This is the message which we've heard from him and we announce to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. You know who we need to fear in this world? We need to fear God because it says the fear of the Lord is clean. How many of you like being clean? When I was a kid, we only got one bath a week. 
because we had a cistern and we didn't have a whole lot of water. How many of you remember days like that? One bath a week. Huh? So you'd go all week pretty dirty, really. Sink bath. But I remember when I was a kid, it would get so hot, nobody had air conditioning or anything like that. And you would go to bed at night and you'd stick to everything you touched. Anybody remember that? I mean, you turn over and all the bedclothes go with you because everything stuck to your body. There was no relief. And there were many times where I just wanted to be clean. One time we were in Acapulco, don't get excited, not in the tourist part, but in the, where the normal people live. And we were building a church. And we, had, we worked for five days. It was like 105 degrees every day. No water, no running water. But they had a poso down a, 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 a tank about a couple blocks down from the house. And we just, we didn't care. It wasn't the cleanest water. But it sure made us feel clean when we took a five-gallon bucket and dumped it over each other's heads. There's something about being clean in the Lord. And that's why if you give your life to Jesus today, if you give your purposes and your destiny to Him, there'll be a cleanliness that comes along with it. And I appreciate, how many of you appreciate being clean today? I sure do. You're made clean. He said to the disciples, you're made clean by the word that I've already spoken to you. So the word of God and the fear of God is clean. We just need to latch on to it. But look what is, I got to get back to the scripture. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Go on. This is, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship. One of the reasons that you come to church is to have fellowship. That hug that you don't get, that encouragement that you don't get from somebody. You hear the word of the Lord. He says, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If I preach any message today or anything that has already been said in here, it's to point you to the blood of Jesus that says your sins are forgiven today. There's nothing more important than people hearing the pureness of the gospel which says you want to be clean, you want to be whole, you want to be forgiven, you want to be loved, you want to experience God's goodness and mercy, then be in the house of the Lord and listen to what the Lord has to say. That's why we come. One thing that the devil always wants to do is isolate us. An isolated person's easy game because then his thought process overrules his heart. One of the reasons that you come to the Lord's house is that you hear the word of the Lord and you hear it, it says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever because that's an encouragement that we all need. I'll tell you another reason we come. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Amen. Everybody got a Bible? 
First Samuel chapter 30. Here we go. Go to the King James for this one, if you would, back there. It's the same thing, but go to the King James Version, chapter 30 and verse 6. I'll just read it off of here. We live in a messed up world and we need hope. That's another reason we come to church. It's because the Lord offers hope. David was very distressed, it says. David was very distressed. Anybody ever been distressed in your life? How about very distressed about things going on around you? It said David was very greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him. In other words, he went to people good, but there were things that were going on that they held David responsible for. We do that with God sometimes. We hold him responsible for things that are of our own doing. And it said, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. In other words, we're going to go through rough periods in our life. Every one of us are in our marriages, with our relationship with each other, with kids. He says, for every man, for his sons and for his daughters. But look what it says here. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Another reason that we come into the house of God is to encourage one another and to encourage ourselves. You say, well, I've been a church member all my life, and sometimes it's not really encouraging. That's not God's fault. It's man's fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. Because... God means cleanliness for us. He means that the Word of God will be open in our lives. And we realize that we need to encourage ourselves in Him. Amen? I'm here today to tell you, encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. One of the greatest examples I found of encouragement, go to Isaiah 41.7. Isaiah 41.7. Hallelujah. I've got a new Bible I'm using, and the pages are all stuck together. Verse 5, talking about this uh, particular place here is talking about God's restoration of Israel. He's made a promise to Israel, which we see being fulfilled right now. And I'm here today. Another reason we come to church is to hear that God's promises will be delivered upon. Whatever he's promised you, it's going to happen. And it says, When God starts doing this, it says, the isles, verse 5, the isles saw it and feared. The fear of the Lord is clean. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. So here's another thing we come to the Lord's house for, to encourage you to be of good courage. That's what he had told Joshua. Remember Joshua who was 
Moses' attendant all the days of his life. And when God decided it was time for Moses to go to sleep, who was in charge? It was Joshua. Why was it Joshua? Because he was the, the hand servant of Moses. He would not leave. He learned everything he needed to learn in the house of the Lord, even though there wasn't a temple built. It was a traveling tabernacle made of cloth and, and specifications that the Lord gave him. But Joshua knew the goodness of God by staying close to Moses. Amen? He said, be of good courage. That's what... I can imagine Joshua, after Moses is gone, standing there looking at the promised land and saying, thank you, God, for making me the one that gets to take the people across. But he knew, God knew that he needed courage. And here's what I love about this verse. And this is another reason we come to church. Verse, verse 7. This is what I like. This is another reason we come into the Lord's house. Now, they had different people that did different things, but we could break this down in today's jobs and today's society. He said, so the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. Everybody knows what a carpenter does. What's a goldsmith do? Works with gold, right? But see, the goodness of God transcends what we do for a living or whatever. And when God's ready to move in your life and you need encouragement, that's another reason we come to the Lord's house. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. The Word of God is contagious, folks. It works. It's contagious. It'll catch you. It's a bug. It'll get you. It's the seed. Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, be thou. You know how many times, how many times have you had to encourage somebody that was just about ready to give up and God used you to tell them what they needed to hear. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And what did the goldsmith do? It says, and he the one that smooths with the hammer. Something's being built here, the carpenter, the goldsmith, the hammer. It's God's way of showing us how everything fits together. And it says, and he that smoothest with the hammer beats the dents out of it. How many of you know that God wants to beat the dents out of our life? He wants to make us smooth. Who said that about being smooth here? Who just said? Elena said that about smooth. But look what it takes. That's why we come into the Lord's presence. It says the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that worked with the gold with the hammer, he that smote the anvil. In other words, all kinds of different people and different occupations. And what's the one unifying factor? Restoration that God has promised to his people. Is anybody getting this, or is this me today? So we got the carpenter who makes the form. We got the goldsmith that deals with precious metals. We got the one that straightens out the dents with a hammer. I never understood how people could fix a car, beating on the side of it and stuff. They know how to draw out that stuff, take the dents out. And look what it says. And when they get done, then the guy who smoked the anvil, what's the anvil uh, signify? It signifies God making us strong, giving us purpose. Remember the old cartoons where they would drop an anvil out of the building and it would hit somebody on the head? We don't see many anvils anymore. 
but it speaks of God fashioning us the way he wants it. And he says, now that the carpenter and the goldsmith and the hammer man that smokes the anvil, it's ready for soldering. How many of you know what soldering is? It's a great thing, isn't it? You know, they can cut a ship in half now and weld it and solder it all back together. Instead of making it longer in the front or in the back, they cut it right down the middle because they've figured out a way to make their welding and soldering work so they can put a whole section in and lengthen the thing by hundreds of feet because now it's ready for soldering. And they fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. Now, this is why we come to the Lord's house, to encourage one another. The carpenter encourages the goldsmith. The goldsmith encourages the one that beats with the hammer. And then when they get it ready, then they turn it over to the welder, to the solderer. Why do they go through all that process? So that the promises of God that have been spoken into their life will not be removed. Whatever God has told you, he will not remove it. You can depend on what God has to say. Amen? Anybody left out there? There's many reasons, but number one, we come for fellowship. Number two, we come for encouragement. Come for encouragement. And here's the third thing. We come to understand our purpose. And you go to the book of Acts for that. Book of Acts chapter, chapter 1. You come for fellowship, you come for encouragement, and you come to find out what your purpose is. Verse 7. Verse 7. Oh, boy, look at this. They were wondering before the Lord ascended what would be their purpose. And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his own power. Go ahead. But you shall receive power. You shall receive power. Here's another reason we come to church is because people will tell you and testify about the power of God working in their lives. How he took somebody that was dead in sin and brought them in by his love and now they have a power in their lives that they never had before. See, they were waiting in Jerusalem and he said, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Everybody in this church today is called of God and has a purpose for their life. You're not a throwaway. You're not an accident. You're not somebody that God overlooked. He loves you just like he loved me, like he loves everybody else in here. He loves your offspring. He loves the ones that aren't even born yet if the Lord tarries because he promises blessings on your house to the third and fourth generation. And you need to hear the goodness of God and tell your kids the goodness of God and they'll tell their kids the goodness of God. I especially want to speak for just a second. I'm, I'm finishing up here to people that were abandoned in their life. 
Some of us suffered abandonments, broken homes, and no stability when you were growing up. And that takes a toll on people. There's a spirit of abandonment that comes on them. And what that spirit promotes is is self-hatred and a feeling of no worthiness that you're never going to amount to anything. But when you come to the Lord, he said, I'll give you power. I'll give you power. We've all got a story. He said, but I'll turn your sad story into the good news of the gospel. Turn it around. He said, why do I do this? Because you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's where the power comes from as we witness about the goodness of God. And you hear that in church because the world will beat you up. And so he told him, he said, when he spoke these things in verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, what he beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him. And then they, they were told to go to Jerusalem and return to the upper room and wait. In today's world that we live in, everything has to be really quick. I'm still figuring out how to use five gigs, and I don't know what kind of gigs are up to now. I, I get all confused. How many of you computer whizzes in here? You have to update like every... So what's five gigs? Is that anything? Huh? Do you ever notice how all these different companies offer you more gigs than the other company? I didn't understand the first gig. But everything's got to be instantaneous. And sometimes in churches, we just get tired of waiting on God. We say, well, God, are you going to move on my behalf? And what did he tell the disciples? He said, you'll receive power, but you got to go back to Jerusalem, and you don't understand what's going on, but that's another reason why you come to church. You might not understand what's going on, but sometimes you're sitting with a whole bunch of people that don't understand what's going on, but they're looking for the encouragement and the purpose of the Lord. So he said, you go back and you wait, and I'll send you power. So what do they do? Chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm going to finish with this. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, what was Pentecost? They didn't know what Pentecost really meant until it happened. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were doing what he told them. Go back one, one verse there, if you would. I know I told you to keep up. But, and when the day came, when the day came, your answer's coming. Your answer's coming at just the right time. At just the right, it might be your right time today. You've been seeking the things of God, and you say, I don't understand. It might be your right time today to receive what God's got for you. Some of you are called to mission. Some of you are called to do great things in your life. Then your time is going to come. If God promised it, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen.
Matt and Vanessa have a school in Mexico, and they've got 300 students this year. And they made a fountain. Somebody told them they went and they found this fountain because this fountain was made in four parts, and it speaks of the four parts of what that school is going to become. And so when they first got the school built, it, one prophecy was fulfilled. And then there was a second one that is starting because the school is increasing now and other people want to come under the covering of that school. And there's still a third and fourth thing that are supposed to happen. And guess what? They're standing on those promises and it's going to happen and they're not going to be moved. And they've had to wait. There was a period in their life where they didn't know if they were going to succeed in that school or not. But God told them, start this school. They started one week with seven kids. And by the end of the month, they had 40. And God kept on sending an increase and increase and increase and increase because he knew their heart. Hallelujah. And when that day comes in your life, if you're not in accord now, God will put us in accord. Sometimes we make mistakes in our Christian life, and we need to ask for forgiveness. Because one accord in one place is very important in God's house. Go on to the next verse. And suddenly, that's why you're another reason why you stay in God's house, because suddenly... That's why David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they told me, let's go where God wants us to be because suddenly happens in the house of God. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't care who was preaching. It could have been a donkey and I was going to church because the word of the Lord was encouraging to me. I couldn't wait to get to church. Because, and then, then the revival hit back in the uh, mid-90s, and one of the songs that they used to sing was, and suddenly, and I thought, oh, God, you're killing me with this stuff. And suddenly, but you got to be in the house of the Lord to receive what the Lord's got for you. you got to hear it because the spoken word's very important. I've got to quit, or you guys are going to suddenly get up and walk out. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house. Now, not everybody likes the way we worship sometimes. I understand that. But we got to be who we are and you got to be who you are. God looks on the heart rather than the appearance. There are some people that are vocal and some people are not. But I'll tell you, you can't listen to the word of God and sing the songs of Zion without a confirmation taking place in your heart that you only get when you're in the Lord's house. David said, I was glad when they said to me, not me saying to them, I'm always going to tell you you need to be in God's house. But David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go unto the house of the Lord. There's a, see, there's a transformation that takes place. God's no longer an alien to you. Say alien, yeah. And Paul said we were aliens and we we're apart from God. I'm, I'm getting there. 
So God wants all the house to be filled with power. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. If I liked you better than I like him. (laughs) Here's what we do with the Holy Ghost sometimes. Holy Ghost likes you better than he likes him because you do this and you do that. And you get a cloven tongue of fire and he's just going to walk around the mountain a few more times. But God is no respecter of person. It said that appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire and it sat on all of them. Yes, Lord. Now, not everybody expressed themselves in the same way. Not everybody demonstrated in the same way, but they all received the Holy Spirit and they all received power in the same way. And probably some of one of the vocal ones were worried about the other ones that weren't so vocal, but God used them all. I asked Jeff before when when he came up, he, it was just the funniest thought. No matter how long we've been in the Lord's house, we still have to have room for more. Because he accused the Pharisees. He said, the problem is you have no room in your heart for God. And we got to always have a place that's reserved for him. I think I'm done. Now, let's read just a little bit more. Verse 4. Verse 4. I'm here to tell you. And it said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Another reason we come into the Lord's house is to tune our ears to the voice of God. Now, there's many people that come and go from God's houses all over this nation, all over the world. And some of them they, they go to their own hurt because they, they don't wait on the voice of the Lord. They don't wait for that power that comes on high. But since we are eternal creatures with a soul that's more important than our body, than our five senses, we need to wait on the voice of God. Hallelujah. Welcome to fellowship. Bear one another's burdens. Let me encourage you today to be in the Lord's house. This is where you find your purpose. I was in revival back in the late 80s, and Bob Rogers from Louisville was speaking at at our church. It was a Sunday night, and I was pastoring another church. I was getting ready to resign because God had told me it was time to move on, but I needed a confirming word. So I went on a Sunday night. It wasn't a big crowd, normal crowd. That's another thing. God don't need a big crowd to speak. And I'm not using that as a scapegoat. He doesn't need a big crowd because he works with the individual. If you read the life story of all the great missionaries, all the great preachers, it just started with them and God. And then he found somebody else to encourage them, somebody to have fellowship with their ideas. You know how much this church has sowed into missions over the years? It's amazing. So at the end, of course, they had the altar call, and they said, everybody come. And I remember I wanted him specifically to pray for me, and God had put this kernel in my heart, 
And I'm telling you, in the house of the Lord, you'll find your purpose. Because I walked up, he didn't know me from the man in the moon. He looked at me and he said, you've been struggling with something. And God told me to tell you what you've been planning on, what you're thinking about doing, it's time to do it now. He didn't know me. And I took that as confirmation about what I was supposed to be doing with the next 30 years of my life, 20. And so not too long after that, God said, go ahead and do it, and we did it. But I found my purpose at that time by what God was speaking to me because I was in the house of the Lord. If you want to know purpose today, stick close to God.